Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Shabilsky, a.k.a. Shibs. You can find my podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and iHeartRadio. You can follow me on Instagram at SportsWithShibs for updates on the podcast or on Twitter at DylanShibs13 for updates on sports in general. Also, I have a TikTok now. It's the same title as my podcast. Feel free to check it out. I'm doing different content on there as well besides the regular podcast of sports updates. Now you're probably wondering, where have I been? And let's just say uh, midterms week has gotten hectic, all right? So I was focusing on school once again, trying to get that last push before spring break, and now I'm in spring break. So what topics do we have today? Well, NFL, Bears trade down, Panthers trade up. Who should go number one? Players have been getting signed, traded, allegedly requesting demands to other teams. Oh my. Plus, the Aaron Rodgers saga continues. In the NBA, the NBA is heading into the final push, leading to the award races and final standings. Who are my frontrunners for the awards? Who are my favorites to win the Larry O'Brien Trophy? You can listen to that on the NBA portion. NCAA men's and women's March Madness is here. What does my bracket look like after the first round? Who do I like? Who has gotten upset? And then finally, we have an interview with a women's basketball player from Oshkosh, Junior Kennedy Osterman. I sat down with Kale to get a glimpse of her experience as an NCAA Division III athlete. That much and more on the Sports with Shibs podcast. So, yes, first off on the NFL portion, who do I want the Panthers to select with the number one overall pick? Now, I did some discussion with my brother on this, and we have the same thoughts. His thoughts didn't differentiate my thoughts, so we have the same opinion on this. I just wanted to get a a little bit more of an insight of why he likes this player coming from a Panthers fan perspective, and... Let's just say it's Anthony Richardson, hands down. Posted some of the most impressive scores at the Combine. He has the highest ceiling as a prospect. That's right, the highest possible ceiling in the quarterback realm as a prospect. He set a Combine record for vert jump for quarterbacks, which, if you didn't know this, it actually measures a quarterback's explosiveness, which is kind of interesting. He ran a 4-4-3 40-yard dash. He's got a terrific arm. Him and Will Levis are one and two in the arm strength, and it's hard to pick who has a better arm. He's got great pocket presence, which means it makes him more aware of his surroundings when he's in the pocket, and he knows when to extend plays and when to get out of there. And also, here's the really exciting part, is that he only started at Florida for one season, and he showcased how much he grew as a player in just one year as a starter. Could you imagine what this guy could blossom into if he sits on one team and just continues to work on his craft? He could be one of the best quarterbacks out of this draft class, hands down. And that's why I think the Panthers should select Anthony Richardson, quarterback from Florida. And now we're going to get into the free agency talk. Um, 
I'm just going to kind of look at some of the people who have been um, moving or staying with teams. So uh, Lamar got franchise tagged. Geno Smith re-signs with Seattle. Derek Carr signs with the Saints. And I actually predicted that um, Daniel Jones re-signs with the Giants. Garoppolo signs with Vegas. Brissett signs with the Commanders. Mayfield signs with the Buccaneers. Minshew to the Colts. Mariota to the Eagles. Andy Dalton goes to the Panthers. Heineke to the Falcons. Jared Stidham to Denver. Mike White goes to Miami. Case Keenum signs with Houston. Darnold goes to the Niners. Winston re-signs with the Saints. Nick Mullins re-signs with the Vikings. P.J. Walker signed with the Bears. Drew Locke re-signed with Seattle. Cooper Rush re-signed with Dallas. Out of these, who do I like? Who do I not like? Uh, I like the Garoppolo signing to Vegas a lot. Great run game there. And Garoppolo is a game manager, so the run game is going to enhance him as a quarterback. The Derek Carr signing to New Orleans is... It's a lot of money. $150 million is given to him uh, for four years. It's a lot of money for a streaky quarterback, in my opinion. I really like Brissett going to the Commanders. Um, Mayfield goes to the Bucks. I am not quite sure what the Buccaneers want to do. If they want to go to Baker or Trask, it's kind of up in the air right now. And... Um, I'm, I, I guess I'm kind of confused why Stidham would go to Denver when he was scheduled to be the starter for the Raiders, but I guess with the Garoppolo signing, it makes sense, but also Garoppolo is injury prone, so Stidham still had a chance, so it, it's kind of up in the air on that one. Um, that's, that's about it for the quarterbacks that I want to cover, um, Looking at running backs, uh, a couple of them got franchise tagged. Josh Jacobs, Saquon, and Pollard all got franchise tagged. Miles Sanders taking his talents to the Panthers. David Montgomery goes to the Lions. Jamal Williams signs with the Saints. Deontay Foreman signs with the Bears. Uh, Rashad Penny signs with the Eagles. Jeff Wilson Jr. re-signs with the Dolphins. Alexander Madison re-signs with the Vikings. Raheem Mostert resigns, and that's kind of all the relevant names. Maybe James Robinson signing with the Patriots is uh, interesting, and maybe Matt Breida resigning with the Giants is a little interesting as well. Um, out of these, Miles Sanders going to the Panthers. It's a lot of money, and it's a long-term deal for Miles Sanders, but I think it'll work out well. Dave Montgomery going to the Lions, I absolutely love it. But with him signing to the Lions, that means that Jamal Williams has to sign somewhere else. And he signs with the Saints. I love both of these options. I think they're both great. And I think that's about... Oh, Rashad Penny signing with the Eagles is absolutely phenomenal. He's averaging six yards per carry, and he's going to the... Uh, 
a Super Bowl contending team now, it's going to be incredible to see what he can do there. That's about it for the running backs. For the receivers, there has not been much. Uh, Jacoby Myers signs with the Raiders. That's going to be interesting. Uh, Garoppolo gets another weapon. So now in Vegas, it is Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster signs with the Patriots. And let me just say the Patriots have been making moves this offseason. The Michael Thomas resigns with New Orleans. I don't really uh, – I'm indifferent on this one because he hasn't played in a while due to injuries. and But I feel like it's a good thing because it can get him back in a rhythm, especially having a quarterback that can somewhat throw him the ball in Derek Carr. Uh, Lazard goes to the Jets. And that's – pretty much all the relevant or big names maybe Darius Slayton re-signing with the Giants as well um Alan Lazard going to the Jets it's a lot of money for him it's 11 million a year um I just I don't know it's a, it's a head scratcher because they have Elijah Moore they have um oh my god Garrett Wilson it's a it's an interesting pick pickup but it might be an underlying factor in getting Rodgers there so it's okay um for the tight ends Evan Engram franchise tagged by the Jaguars love that Mike Gusecki goes to the Patriots and I'm telling you the Patriots have been making moves uh, Hayden Hurst goes to the Panthers, and the Panthers are another team that you can't be sleeping on right now in the in the offseason. They they're making good moves as well. Hayden Hurst going there, it's a great great pickup. Uh, Big Bob Tanyan signs with the Bears. Uh, that's fine. He can go there. And uh, let's see, is there anyone else? So Darren Waller got traded to the Giants, which is just mind boggling because now the Giants re-signed their quarterback. Franchise tag their running back, keep their receivers, and now get a star tight end. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, some notable names that have not been signed yet in the position players would be Devin Singletary, Kareem Hunt, Damian Harris, and Jarek McKinnon. And then in the receivers, it'd be OBJ. DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, Julio Jones, uh, Juice, Randall Cobb, I guess, and Nelson Aguilar, Marvin Jones Jr. And then at the tight ends, it's Dalton Schultz, Austin Hooper, Irv Smith Jr., and Mercedes Lewis. And that is if the big dog does not retire. And um. Looking at the O-line, Orlando Brown Jr. is going to the Bengals. It's great. That's a great addition for the Bengals. The one thing that they struggle with is keeping Joe Burr contained and protected. And they go out and sign Orlando Brown Jr. Great pickup. Um, Juwan Taylor goes to the Chiefs. I guess that's notable because he's replacing Orlando Brown now. Um. That's about that's about the 
big names. I guess Mike McGlinchey signs with the Broncos, which is another, it's the biggest contract out of all of these five years, 87 and a half million. That's, that's quite it for the, the uh, tackles. For the centers, um, not much. Jake Brendel gets a four-year, $20 million deal. Uh, Bradley Boozman gets three years, eight, $18 million. Garrett Bradbury uh, re-signs with the Vikings. Uh, Boozman re-signs with the Panthers. Um, that's about – and I guess Ethan Posick re-signs with the Browns. That's about it. Uh, for guard, not much happening in the guard game. Ben Powers signs with the Broncos. And Nick Gates signs with the Commanders. And then Connor McGovern signs with the Bills. And then Chris Lindstrom re-signs with the Falcons for five years. $105 million. Absurd. And uh, going to the defense, there's a lot of players that have not been signed yet, but there's also some that have been signed. And I'm trying to see if there's any like uh, really worthy like names to push out there. Javon Hargrave, uh, Darian Payne, Darren Payne. I mean, um, Dalvin Tomlinson. Uh, so Hargrave signs with the Niners, Payne is franchise tagged, and then <laughs> re-signs with the Commanders. Tomlinson signed with the Browns. Uh, Fletcher Cox was re-signed. Dean Lowry is going to the Vikings, which is another, uh, I guess, interior lineman or D-lineman in general that's going to the Vikings, uh, last year being Smith. Now this year being Lowry, uh, Packers, and Vikings seem to like to trade players a lot. Mm. And that's about all the notable names. I guess Shy Tuttle signs with the Panthers for three years. That's interesting. But yeah, not much is happening on the defensive line. And not much is happening on the edge as well. Um, I'm not really seeing any big-time players being sent over or leaving so we'll just skip it and come back to it some notable people to look out for though is carl nassib robert quinn jd jadevon Clowney. my goodness melvin ingram frank clark um that's about it looking at linebackers now a lot has happened here TJ Edwards goes to the Bears. Leighton Vander Esch re-signs with the Cowboys. Um, Tremaine Edmonds signs with the Bears. Levante David re-signs with the Bucks. Mm, Eric Kendricks signs with the Chargers. Uh, Quincy Williams re-signs with the Jets. Devin Bush goes to Seattle. Alex Anzalone re-signs with the Lions. Uh, little little pieces like that mean a lot on on teams like Alex Anzalone. He's a starter, like that's a huge pickup for the Lions. They get him for three more years now. Notable people 
that aren't signed yet is Denzel Perriman, probably, and uh, Bobby Wagner. And um, did I say Devin Bush signed to the Seahawks? I think I did. I don't remember. But that's another good piece addition. I really, really like the TJ Edwards pickup from the Bears, though. That's That's probably one of the best pickups that they have gotten so far. They really splurged on the linebacker area, if you can't tell, signing two linebackers, both worth, in total, it's worth about $100 million between the two. At the cornerback spot, again, not much has happened. I guess Keyshawn Nixon was re-signed, but he's technically a punt returner slash kick returner. Um trying to trying to see here uh bradbury re-signs with the eagles uh jamal dean re-signed with the bucks cameron sutton signed with the lions jonathan jones re-signed with the patriots and uh i guess notable people that aren't signed yet shaquille griffin uh eli apple marcus peters that's about it. And then for the safeties, Jesse Bates is signed with the Falcons. Jordan Poyer re-signed with the Bills. Mm. And Jabril Peppers goes to the Patriots. Um, the safeties, it's kind of a weaker class for free agency. Von Bell signed with the Panthers, which I absolutely... Love that pickup, too. Um, it's kind of a weaker free agency in the safety department. Donovan Wilson resigns with the Cowboys. Uh, Juan Thornhill signs with the Browns. It's There's not a lot of, like, big-name players. I, the biggest one is probably Jesse Bates signing with the Falcons. And that's about it for free agency. Um, there was a couple punters and kickers that were getting signed, but no one too heavy. A lot of them were just getting re-signed. But that will end the free agency talk. And next up, we have the Aaron Rodgers saga. So, the Aaron Rodgers saga continues. First was the speculation on his retirement or being traded or coming back to the Packers. And it kicked off with that darkness retreat. And then afterwards on the Pat McAfee show, he said that he was 90% retirement, 10% coming back. And then after that, the Packers apparently started to move things and started to have these ideas of shipping him out. And then that opened the door to Rogers talking with the jets. He met with the owners and the coaches. And now there is reports that he's allegedly requesting demands to the jets organization to sign Alan Lazard, OBJ, Mercedes Lewis, and Randall Cobb, which he debunked on the Pat McAfee show. He also 
said on the Pat McAfee show this past week that he's made it clear that his intentions are to play for the New York Jets. So, where does this leave Green Bay? Well, first off, they lost a wide receiver and a tight end already in free agency. So, with that being said, and the continued movement of Elijah Moore being frustrated with the Jets' organization, I could definitely see Elijah Moore being in the package deal for Aaron Rodgers. Because losing Lazard, you could replace Lazard with Moore. That's pretty fair. So we get more, or the Packers get more. Can you tell I'm a Packer fan now? But then we need a tight end now. And I personally want the Packers to go out and select the tight end out of Notre Dame, Michael Mayer. And, yeah, that's that's kind of where he's projected to land is in Green Bay because the Packers need a tight end. Like I said, we already lost one tight end in Robert Tanyan. So he's going to be a bear now. And Mercedes Lewis, like I said earlier, there's speculation he's either going to retire or he would go to the Jets to play with Rodgers for one more year. So that's kind of where Green Bay is left. But also, they get to have Jordan Love, and I'm ready for Love season. I've been very impressed with how he's been looking lately, especially in this past preseason and when he had opportunities to go into the game when Rodgers was either hurt or we were down by quite a bit or winning by quite a bit he looked pretty good when he played and I'm kind of excited to see how his growth from understudying with Rodgers displays here in this next season if Rodgers is gone and I'm really hoping that he can pan out because I have a lot of faith in him and I really think that Jordan Love is a good fit for not only LaFer but also the Packer organization uh, he's done his time. He, he hasn't really complained at all about sitting behind Rodgers. The only thing I will say that he said was, he said, if it comes down to Rodgers retiring, I'm ready to go. That's about it. Now, you can make an argument that ownership was kind of pushing it where they were like, oh, Jordan Love is ready. He's definitely ready. Like, they were trying to push Rodgers out of the organization almost a little bit, it seemed like. But I think... Jordan Love handled this situation probably the best I've ever seen a backup quarterback handle it, where now he is the guy. And I'm really excited to see where this leads, especially for the Packers and for Jordan Love in that instance. So just to recap, what we went over was the NFL with the Bears trading down, the Panthers trading up. Who should the Panthers take at number one, who I think they should take? Uh, We went through some of the free agency that's been going on, and then we talked about the Aaron Rodgers saga. Now let's get into the NBA. Let's start out with my predictions for the MVP, Rookie of the Year, Sixth Man, Defensive Player of the Year, MIP, and Coach of the Year. Let's go Coach of the Year backwards. MVP can be last. So 
I think for coach of the year, I think it should be Mike Brown uh, to take a team that has been so bad for so long in the Kings and to completely do a 180 with the team. They're sitting at the second seed right now in the West. I think he deserves it. You can make an argue for Joe Missoula getting the helm of the Celtics organization in midseason with all the drama that happened, but I don't know if that's as impressive as Mike Brown taking these players that he has because Joe Missoula, you have to remember, he's got Al Horford. He's got Malcolm Brogdon, who we'll get to in a second. He's got Jason Tatum. He's got Jalen Brown. He's got all these guys when Mike Brown really only has De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis, really, that make an, an impact on that team. The Kings are an example of team play for sure. To its core, it's all all team play. And then in my third slot is Mike Malone, just throwing him up there. Honorable mentions would be Doc Rivers and Butenholzer, just because they're up there in the seeding. So now we got the Most Improved Player Award. I've got Laurie Markkinen at number one, Shea Gilgis-Alexander at two, and Jalen Brunson at three. Uh, Brunson, because we saw what he could do with the Mavericks, and he's just kind of been that sole guy in the Knicks. It's not really, like, you could really argue that he's become a star, but he kind of was already playing at a high level with Doncic at his side, so it really is no shock that he had a breakout year. Uh, Shea, again with Shea, there's so many young guys on the Thunder that it's really hard to pick him as the best player and most improved because he's got Josh Giddy and, and all these other great younger talents around him. And it's just hard for me to say he's got to be number one. Whereas Laurie Markinen, you know, he was, he was a question mark and the jazz were a question mark and they, they were wrote off way at the beginning of the year. And then they became one of the best teams in the league. And now they're starting to cool off. But I think Laurie Markin and, the season he's had, it's truly incredible. Now, for Defensive Player of the Year, it's kind of tricky because there's really two guys that I could see take the award, and then the third guy is just kind of stuck in purgatory right now. So the third guy is Bam Adebayo. He's had so many incredible defensive years that it's really hard to signal this one out as the best year possible and that's kind of where his career has been he's been stuck with these stars and it's hard for him to really shine and I think this year he's really gotten to shine as a player this year but for my two front runners I've got Nick Claxton and Triple J Jaron Jackson Jr. They are both equally sound defensive players and I could see either one of them taking it it's hard to put them one two if I had to I would probably put Claxton at one and Jaron Jackson at two. For sixth man of the year, I told you we'd come back to this guy, my front runner, Malcolm Brogdon. He could have been a starter on so many teams, and he elected to play for the Celtics, and he took up the role as a sixth man, and he's been doing it perfectly to a T. Other people in there, Tyrese Maxey, he's not doing too bell too bad coming off the bench 
And then Norman Powell, I believe Maxi is averaging 19 points and Powell is averaging 17. So they really pack a punch when it comes to those bench points. For Rookie of the Year award, I've got Paolo Bancaro at one, Walker Kessler at two, and Benedict Matherin at three. Bancaro has been having having one heck of a year. He's been fantastic from the start to now. So he's easily locked in at one, while as Walker Kessler, he's been kind of simmering in this like area of good to great, and now he's playing like great. That's where I have him. And now my MVP. I did pick five players because there's five players that I could see winning this award. At number five, I have Jason Tatum, strictly because when I look at that Celtics franchise and their team, if I take Tatum away, are they still a contending team? Yes. The short answer is yes. Does he make that team better? Yeah, but it's kind of the effect of being on a well-organized team like that. Like if Tatum was gone, you would probably have Jalen Brown go to small forward, and then you'd have Malcolm Brogdon starting, and you'd have a little deeper bench then. It, it really has no effect if Tatum would leave. But does he add that X factor on that team? Yes. So he's at five. At number four, I've got Luka Doncic. If you take this player away from the Mavericks organization, I don't think they are anywhere near where they are when they have him. He is an incredible asset to have on the floor. And I think that's kind of where I stand on him. Giannis Antetokounmpo at three. Again, he's been having a crazy season and you could really debate that all of his seasons have been pretty crazy, but this one's really topping it off, especially with having the best record in the league. If you take him away from this Bucks team, are they a title contending team? No, absolutely not. That's the difference that Giannis makes on this Bucks team. He can, he's been really expanding his game as of late. He's shooting more, which is surprising. And he's playing fantastic defense. He has been hurt a little bit. But even then, he's still trying to get his minutes back up. And I think it's smart that they didn't play him much when he is hurt because now you have him in probably the most important stretch of the NBA season, that final push heading into playoffs where teams need to be playing their best possible basketball, and the Bucks are right now. And number two, I have Embiid coming in runner-up again. Uh... It's just the matter of fact that if you take him away from this team, is that team better? No, absolutely not. He's an impact player on the team. It's just that the player ahead of him is doing stuff that I've never seen before and we probably will never see again. And it, it just sucks because if the player ahead of him wasn't having this good of a season, he would have definitely taken it this year, in my opinion. And yes, the player that I have at number one is Nikolai Jokic. He is going to be almost averaging a triple-double as a center, which is wild. He probably will be ending up as the MVP. A three-time back-to-back-to-back three-peat MVP. Nikolai Jokic is doing everything he can to make his team good, and their team is slotted at number one 
in the West. So it's really hard to compete with a guy who is a center, averaging a triple-double, as the number one seed in the West. It's really hard to compete with that. So that is my breakdown of the thoughts heading into the final push of the season. I did something different here where I've got real contenders and dark horses. I'm just going to fly through this a little bit. Real contenders, I've got the Bucks, Celtics, Nuggets, and Suns. I think they have a lot of star power, a lot of firepower, and I think they're going to be real contenders heading into the playoffs. For dark horses, I've got the Kings, the Cavaliers, the Clippers, and the Warriors. It was hard to pick a second Eastern team because they're all in that like slump. They're all in in that weird area and I really don't see any team in the east besides the Cavs as like a dark horse and it it sucks because like the 76ers are right there where they're contenders but not really contenders but they're not bad enough to be a dark horse so they're kind of just in this like weird area that they are a contender but they're not like a a true title contender that I could see them going all the way. And for the so again once again for the dark horses Clippers and Warriors, they're both in that middle of the West and I could really see them making a deep push. I think the Warriors are in the play-in and I think the Clippers are the last team to get in. And with the Kings at number 2, team people have been sleeping on this team all year and I think they're going to sleep on them in the playoffs and I just think it is too Oh, what's the word I want to go for? I don't think you can sleep on this team because I think this team is good. I think they could go to the Western Conference Finals if they if they could. I think they can. I think they could. That's my hot take is that they could go to the Western Conference Finals if they play their best basketball. So, it is that time of the year. It is March Madness. So let's take a look at the NCAA for both the men's and women's tournament. I'm going to first highlight the women's tournament because I don't have the bracket on me, but I do remember my final four predictions, and we'll get into my final four predictions for the men's after this. So I have South Carolina, Indiana, UConn, and... Stanford, and I have Stanford losing to South Carolina, and I have UConn beating Indiana, and I have South Carolina beating UConn for the championship. So that's what my women's bracket looks like. I don't have the bracket on hand, so I can't really go through the full thing, and that would take way too long. But for the men's bracket, Let's just say my bracket is broken. It's shredded up. It is. I took a lighter to it. It's burned up. It's gone. Um, that's a joke. I didn't actually burn up my bracket or shred it, but it it's it's pretty bad. Um, but not as bad as other people, because I've got Houston, Marquette, Bama, and Kansas as my final four, and then I have Houston beating Marquette in the finals, and. I currently have all of my teams 
still remaining for my final four. Let's knock on wood that we don't see more upsets, but I will say that I did have some dark horses before the round started, and I'm not going to even lie about them. I'm going to say them right on here. I'm going to admit that these were my dark horses, and I was wrong on all three of them. Memphis was one of them. They lost. I thought Memphis was going to beat Purdue, which we'll get to in a second. I thought Boise State was going to be a really good dark horse. I had them going to the Elite Eight on one bracket and the Sweet 16 on another bracket. They lost, and I had Drake going to the Elite Eight as well as a 12 seed, and they lost. All three teams had really good momentum heading into the uh, tournament, and it just goes to show that you can't count on anything when it's March Madness. So, first off, we've seen some crazy, crazy upsets. And I didn't highlight this one, but I do want to talk about it. And that is Penn State uh, beating Texas A&M and their 10 seed into the round of 32. Um, And then I'll get into the ones that I actually wanted to take a bigger look at, which were Furman, a 13 seed, defeating a 4 seed, Virginia. And fun fact, five years ago on March 16th, which was the day that Furman beat Virginia, UMBC won. And then fast forward two nights ago, and history repeats itself again with Furman upsetting Virginia. I did take Virginia. I should have known that Virginia was going to choke somehow. A 15 seed Princeton beat a 2 seed Arizona. And here's where I'll highlight the women's bracket again. Princeton's women's team won upsetting in the women bracket. And this makes Princeton the first Ivy League school to win in the men and women's bracket in the same year. Congratulations to Princeton. And then a crazier thing just happened. We had a 16 seed FDU beat a one seed Purdue. Second time in NCAA history that this has happened. Last time, like I said, was UMBC Golden Retrievers beating the Virginia Cavaliers. I'm completely stunned, and I have no idea what is going to happen next. I have no idea what this tournament has left to offer, but I'm invested. I'm interested, and I want to see who will become this tournament's champion because it's quite literally wide open to anyone. I could see anyone taking home this trophy. I want to see what other teams are going to get upset. Can a 16-seeded team make it to the Sweet 16? Like, there's so many storylines that this tournament has offered this year with a 13, a 15, a 16, and a 10 seed making it to the round of 32. It's just getting wilder and wilder by the minute. And I can't wait to see what this tournament has left to offer. And yes, the final segment is an interview session that I was able to do with Kennedy Osterman on Thursday before she left for her spring break, which is also my spring break. 
So I was actually able to get the interview done with her. It's been pre-recorded, and I hope you enjoy. And I just would like to say thank you to Kennedy Osterman for taking the time out of your day, sitting down and doing this interview with me. All right, so first off, for those who don't know Kennedy Osterman, she is what I describe as a facilitator who can hit shots in big time moments. And she's been a starter for the past two years with this year taking up the role as the sixth man, the first one off the bench, a very crucial part to the game of basketball. So I first want to get into your major in RTF and what are you looking to get out of the major and what do you want to do with it? Right, so RTF, radio, TV, film, I'm more into like the editing, like post-production part of the major. So I'm hoping potentially stay in the athletic field. So work with a college or just any type of sports team and just be part of their uh, media or like just post uh, production, like uh, like editing like game film or practice film and just doing different things like that. So would you want to do like the social media aspect or would you want to do like like an influencer for a team, like be pa- paired with a team and then like influence it through your own account or would you w- rather work with the social media account like directly and do that? Or are you thinking of different post-productions like replays and other stuff like that? You know, I feel like it. what I want to do is so broad so I'm really, I'm like open to whatever. I feel like just as long as I stay in that like sports environment, yeah. that's all that matters. But I wouldn't... I'd more just stick with, like, their media and, like, just be part of them. All right, that's that's cool. Because I know, I know, like, with you and your background being so involved with the basketball team, like, I was just curious to, like, understand what you wanted to get out of, like, the program. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've already talked to Fisher, and uh, I think I'm creating our promo video for next year, so I'm excited for that. Now, that, that is going to be cool. Yeah. And um, speaking about Brad Fisher, he said it perfectly when the season ended. He said that this year was a rebuilding year and for you guys to enter the tournament and to go on to the round of 32, that's a pretty big jump from what he thought that the start of the year was going to be. So I just want to get your thoughts on what you thought the start of the year for the season was going to be this year. Like, what did you think you were going to do record-wise, team-wise, that sort of stuff, and how that changed as the season went on? You know... Graduating nine seniors, like nine seniors, is a lot, and you have like a three three year All American, Leah Porath, Nikki Arnoldson, like Abby Kaiser, like all like big players for us. So, like my coach said, like it truly was a rebuilding year. But then, like once the season started, um, we actually had like the third hardest uh, schedule in the nation for Division three basketball. So. Going in the season, we're like, hey, we have some pretty big games. Like, we'll just see what happens. And then after, like, we went on a six and zero winning streak. We're like, okay, maybe, maybe this team can like actually do something this year. And then, so I think at that point, after like that six and zero, like, we're like, okay, like, this is like for real. And then we like just went from there. Yeah, I think that's like perfectly like described of like okay, we're doing something here, mm-hmm. and that, like, creates, like, excitement around a team, and I just want to understand, like, your excitement heading into your senior year and what you're hoping to get out of that year. Right. Um, it was extremely ex- excited, like, just knowing that 
how far we came this year and next year only losing like two like yeah like Jenna and Ava were huge players for us but our team will basically be the same as next year and we add on some I think three pretty good freshmen so I'm excited to see like what we do like because it's basically the same yeah and when you're keeping a team like that that is super young because right now the Oshkosh women's team is super young yes. when you're keeping a team like that you're not only keeping the players but you're also keeping their knowledge right. and that they're gaining so that's going to cause the team to just jump ahead and get yeah we're not better. we're not starting over like I this year like we had to basically reteach everything from zero yeah like we I remember we had uh we had a meeting, like, the first day of practice. We had two practices. The first one was a classroom. He called it classroom practice. So we basically sat down in the classroom, and he was like, okay, this is basketball 101. Like, this is what we expect. And we're like, okay, this is, this is we're literally starting from the basics. And that is, like, so Brad Fisher, like, mm-hmm. of him to do that because he's so, like, in tune of playing his style of basketball. Oh, and you can sure. really see that on the court. And for people that don't watch Oshkosh sports, like, if you were to tune in to an Oshkosh game, you, you'd kind of think, what are they doing? But then when you actually watch them for a while, like I did this season, you start to understand that it's it's really a beautiful game when, when it's played correctly. And I think it just transcribes that so well, like to have a, a specific practice in a classroom yeah. to like teach the basics of basketball the way he wants it to be teached. I think that's so like Brad Fisher-esque of him. Yeah, no, I think for sure throughout the years, whenever – we're scouting, like, I give a sh- huge shout-out to our coaches because the amount of scout and, like, film they watch is insane. And he always says, like, I don't care if your parents or if anyone is, like, what are you doing? But this is what we saw on film, and we're going to guard them this way, and if people don't like it, then who cares? It's going to work. And we're like, all right. So this is kind of where it's coming to an end for you. This, this next season if you don't take that fifth year that right. you're eligible for. So looking back on your years of basketball, what kind of got you started in the sport? Um, so I grew up with five brothers. Yeah. So, so five so, brothers. So that household that was household, fun. Oh, right? it was super competitive, like to the max. So I think just being around like that competitiveness as I as I grew up kind of just like helped me shape me into uh, the player that I am and uh, all my brothers played basketball so I feel like it was just kind of one of those like jump right in like well they're playing it I may play it and I fell in love with the sport. And uh, you're from Pewaukee so did you see that the men's Pewaukee team made the state tournament? Yeah so I have two brothers on the team so yeah so I have a senior brother Caden Osterman, number three, and then a sophomore brother, Carson Osterman, number 10. So they're... So were they a part of the team that won it last year? Because they're going for a back-to-back this year, right? Three-peat. Three-peat. Yeah. So... (laughs) Yeah. So Caden was. But also last year I had uh, another brother, Colin, that was on the team. And they're all younger brothers. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Caden and Colin were on the team last year that won the state and now it's Caden and Carson just the impressiveness of the Osterman clan right (laughs) come on it's just filled with basketball talent like literally so talking about like how you got started and all that leading up to what I just said about the state tournament 
do you do brackets for March Madness? I just have to ask. Oh, 100%. Who do you have winning all this year? Alabama. Alabama? Alabama. I've got Houston. I have two brackets. I have Alabama. I think Alabama is my better bracket, but then I have Houston as my other one. And I talked to a bracketologist the other day, and he said that Zona is his pick. Really? Yeah. For, it was for a class. It was like an interview. And he said that he has Zona winning because of the matchups. And it's interesting. He has Boise State going to the Elite Eight. Okay. Which I have them in the Sweet 16. But it's always fun like to talk about like simple stuff like this in basketball. Like, you, like when you get in tune with basketball, you learn to appreciate the simple things of basketball, mm-hmm. like filling out a bracket. Oh, 100%. I think one of the, like since I've been in college, like filling out a bracket has really opened my eyes in certain ways and one aspect is like the underdogs like last year when our team went to the NCAA tournament we weren't even ranked we were like the lower seed like no one expected us and then we just knocked out three like nationally ranked teams and you guys made it to the elite eight that year. yeah so it was so, a big year for you guys exactly so like when I fill in all these brackets like if freaking UWO Oshkosh women's basketball team can underdog it like these teams can too so and we just saw one today oh, with one Furman. Yeah. And there's actually a fun fact about it. it it's that that uh, the year that UMBC, I'm pretty sure, the Retrievers beat Virginia when Virginia was the one seed. So that was in 2018 on March 16th. Come fast forward five years, Furman knocks out Virginia when they're the four seed five years later on the exact same day. That's insane. That's crazy. That's, that's crazy. That's a wild stat. Oh, one hundred. It just shows that, like, especially like the past like five years of of March Madness, we've seen so many upsets. Like mm-hmm. when I think of like underdogs, I think of uh, the Peacock St. Peter's. Yes, I just saw a video on them. Doug Eater, how he led this team to the Elite Eight as a. I don't remember the seed, but they were, I think it was a 15 seed, actually. Yeah. And to just go and, like, what you guys did last year, just to go and make a push all mm-hmm. the way, it's, it's the simple things like that that mean the most in basketball, in my opinion. That's why I love March Madness. Do you have a favorite uh, NBA or WNBA team or college basketball team in general? Right, so I hope none of my family members listen to this, but... I'm a big Tyler Hero fan, and they despise him, but he's a bucket. He's a bucket. <laughs> he's a bucket. Certified bucket. Yeah, so I, everything Tyler Hero, yeah. Now, is does your family not like Tyler Hero because of the Wisconsin thing, where he committed and then decommitted? Or no, is it- so he, his high school, he went to Whitnall, and they're in our conference. Okay. So I think it's more like... Like Whenever we yeah, like we play them, they're like oh, Tyler Hero, and, and and that's kind of funny because that's how my friends are. Like there was a player in our conference, Donovan Short. He plays at GV right now, mm-hmm. and all my buddies when we played, they're like, "Oh, we cannot stand this guy." Like, I mean, you can you can say whatever you want, but like they thought he was cocky when I thought he was like just a high schooler showing like, right, his, like his talent, and he was really good. I mean, he's playing D one basketball now, and. You can't, like, say, oh, he's not good. Like, yeah. You have to respect his talent where it is. And I think that's the same mindset of, like, 
the rivalry, the bitterness, but then you mm -hmm. have to like appreciate the talent right. that he actually is. I mean, last year he won sixth man of the year. Like, yeah, and he's been playing really good this year too. So yeah, he might be on pace to win sixth man of the yeah. year this year if he has enough minutes as it. But other than that, he's going to be a, a bucket for the Heat for mm -hmm. years to come if, as long as they pay him. Um, let's see. Oh, speaking of March Madness and favorite like teams. Did you do a women's bracket at all? I did. Um, I have South Carolina. I think they're in a two-peat. And do you know, like, did you predict who they're going to play against or win in the finals? Um, no, I forgot. But I knew I have. I knew I had Stanford up there, so South Carolina. So it would be South Carolina and Stanford. Yeah, I think that's four. who... Yeah, and then I knew I had LSU going pretty far. LSU, okay. And then maybe UConn. I have, but I don't have UConn in the championship. I have UConn in the championship, facing off against South Carolina, but I have South Carolina prevailing and doing the two-peat because they're just so good. When mm -hmm. you watch them play, like your mind is like blown how well they play together, and I just think that they'll win. Like, I think they're going to two-peat. I, mean, <laughs> I just love Don Staley, too. Yeah. But I just don't discredit UConn's coach because he's so smart. Like, he's one of the most brilliant minds in basketball. Yeah, I can agree. I can agree with that. So I guess that's why I'm kind of like, oh, you gotta, you gotta throw a bone to UConn. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that. Yeah, I guess like the last few years, I think they've kind of just been. Uh, I don't think their recruitment classes have been as well as people have hoped, but doesn't matter. Like when you have a great coach like that, right? I forget his name. Gino. Gino. When you have a great coach like him, it's the same thing in the NBA. Like when you have Popovich or like those big name coaches, mm -hmm. Phil Jackson. Like you can't like discredit them. Yeah. Wherever you are. Same thing with Coach K. Like you can't discredit Duke when they when they were in their down years when it was Coach K's last year. Like you can't discredit those big teams that have great coaches. Yeah, no, for sure. And now. Uh, so some people might know and some people might not know that you have a nickname, which is a play on your name, K.O., <laughs> and it's, this, it's kind of the same thing with me. Like, my last name is Shavilsky, so it's been a family tradition to have Shibs as the nickname. So for you, how did, does this nickname have, like, a deeper meaning, or is it just a funny, like, nickname because it's Kennedy Osterman K.O.? Yeah, so my nickname came from when I was in high school. We had, um, I don't know if we heard W7 Productions. They they basically like live stream like a lot of like high school women's uh, games and they called me like KO. So when I got recruited, Brad Fisher just called me KO. So it just stuck. And it just stuck. Like if you go ask anyone on my team like who number 15 is, they'll say, oh, that's KO. Like no one ever calls me by Kennedy. That's so funny. Except for like my professors. And, and that's kind of like the like similar with me like my nickname stuck with me from fifth grade mm -hmm. all the way through high school and now even in college where I'm using it as like a brand I would say and it's just funny how like a little thing like that can go such a long way yeah <laughs> like literally it goes such a long way because even like my high school buddies still call me Shibs because we had three Dylans in our class and no one called me Dylan not even my teachers called me Dylan yeah no uh my freshman year, we had two Kennedys on the team, which is weird because I, you don't, I feel like you don't really like hear a lot of like Kennedys, and so 
I think that helped that I had the nickname KO, but I thought like when she left, like maybe Kennedy will stick, but not like KO. Like even my family members call me KO. Like that's how like big it's gotten. And I think it's even funnier because like I was actually using your nickname in the broadcast for Titan TV when you were playing. I, I don't remember what game it was, but I know you can find it in the archive somewhere or on. If you go to Titan TV, yeah. you can actually like see, hear me playing a word on your nickname. It was when you hit a three in a corner, and I said, that's a knockout from Osterman, or something silly like that, like KO yeah. knockout. I mean, it's just so cool to like be able to... That's part that I enjoy, is to try to use a pun on a player's name. So like that was like really fun for me. Yeah, yeah, no, it, I know it'll stick for forever. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, and no, thank you, you for having me. Spring break. Yeah, you too. Once again, a huge shout out and thank you to KO for sitting down and talking with me about her experience as a D3 athlete, how she got into it, her major, all of the above. Thank you so much to Kennedy Osterman. And I hope we could work out another interview in the near future. But with that being said, in today's episode, we covered the NFL with the Panthers trading up, who I think should go number one, the free agency, the Aaron Rodgers saga, and then in the NBA, we took a look at the award races, my predictions, who's my favorites to win the Larry O'Brien trophy, and then with the NCAA, we took a look at the men's and women's bracket. What does my bracket look like? <laughs> Spoiler alert, it's trash. Who do I like? Who got upset? Who were my dark horses before the tournament even started? And then we had the interview with Kennedy Osterman. So with that being said, I'm Dylan Shabilsky, a.k.a. Shibs, signing off on the Sports with Shibs podcast. If you did enjoy, be sure to give this podcast a follow on any of the platforms that you listen on. If it is Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, if you do enjoy, be sure to give it a follow, and I hope you guys have a great week.